Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Hey everybody, this is Discovering Trek Enterprise and welcome to the First Frontier. I'm Casey. I'm Sarah. And we're going to be talking about this series. Oh, Oh, my my. God. We are about to chat about Enterprise Episode 1, Broken Bow. If you haven't watched it, I mean, how long has it been, Casey? It's been 20 years. <laughs> You've had your chance. Really? Figure it out. You haven't seen it by now? Ugh. Yeah. But hey, Go hit up it, CBSAA. You yeah. can watch it. And yeah. then come back. I mean, you can pause us. You don't have to listen right now if you're really, like, super keen. If they don't, if they're considered... Spoilers after 20 years. Um, wrong. I've got some really sad news for Gone with the Wind fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be bad. <laughs> so there's your non-spoiler warning, warning, spoiler thing in Majiggy. Yeah. Go watch it. Yep. Let us know what you think. Yeah, right please. Right on. So this is the introductory episode for Discovering Trek Enterprise. And it's Casey and me winging it. We're just going to have probably a couple of raw first few episodes as we get a groove so we hope to get feedback from you guys about what you like and what you don't like and what you want to hear more of but um yeah we thought we'd do some high level thoughts about the episode kind of follow along as things change and characters grow maybe have some fun in there give a little synopsis i think we're ready for it casey what about you i think so i mean you know i've actually watched the episode twice so that that's good it's a little it's interesting re- revisiting something from yeah. so long ago and um, wondering what the, the preconceived notions in my head were and are for this, this series. But, hey, you know, we're going to go for it. We're what were you for hoping it. for? Oh, wow. I was really hoping that what we would get in this series was, you know, a, a really strong story thread about the founding of the Federation, uh, the relationships Earth had with other worlds, and how things progressed from first contact with Zephyr Cochran. And, you know, going into the rich history of aliens that we already knew about, but didn't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. What about you? I think it's a lot of the same. I was really hoping for a lot of... Um, first contacts for species that we have known and loved from TNG and Deep Space Nine and maybe seeing them in completely different lights um, from what they were because the time that could have changed would have been time for revolutions to happen with some of these people or some of these species. I was looking for or hoping for a little bit of that TNG cheesiness, but a little bit of that TOS humor (laughs) that I'm aware of that I've seen, but I, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I had big I had big hopes when I was back in 2001. Well, you tell me about 2001. Who was Sarah in 2001? Who was Sarah in 2001? September 26th. That's when this episode 
came. This is when it all started. I was 21 years young, living in my dad's basement and studying criminal justice theory in college. I was swing dancing, ballroom dancing at a, and working at a grocery store. And I was single. I still hadn't even had a boyfriend yet. It was pretty, pretty good time to be alive. Um, why don't you tell me what you were up to in 2001? Who were you? Oh, my God. Uh, I Let's see. 2001. Uh, 32 years old. Couple years into a relationship with my would-be wife, um, had taken kind of a semi-break of watching Trek after DS9. Kind of watched Voyager, uh, had a lot of other stuff going on, but then was intrigued when this prequel idea came out. Was really hoping that we'd get some cool stories. Wondering, I really wondered how this would be different from 1990s Trek. How yours, you know, with TNG and Deep Space Nine. And then Voyager, um, I was really, I don't know if concern is the right word, but was adamant that they have a different tone for this mm. new series. Because otherwise it just felt like one one big thing that just melted all together, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I, did, I did begrudgingly watch all four seasons. <laughs> uh, uh, man. <laughs> I really, really liked the fourth season a lot. And I, yeah. I wish that was the road they had gone down. Right. That's what I've been told start. by a lot of people that I've talked to that have watched the show. They said, you know how a lot of TV shows, it takes one or two seasons to kind of iron out the kinks and then it gets good. That that took four seasons for them. Like it was the last season that became when people were really starting to get caught into it. And then it was ripped from them. That's what I heard. Yeah, well, in the fourth season, they brought in, you know, some actual Trek authors and other Mm. people who were very passionate, like, about TOS. And you could, boy, the change Mm -hmm. was amazing. But, hey, we'll get there. We will get there. (laughs) Well, I remember being so excited for it because I kind of grew out of Trek a little bit in my late teens, as as you usually do when you're kind of focused on what am I going to do with my life. And so when this came on, it was like that right time to be kind of wanting to get back into it and was, you know, rewatching some of the older things that I hadn't, I hadn't watched much of Voyager either. So I was kind of getting into that. And then I had people over to watch the pilot on that big night, um, Naomi, Aaron, and Jeff. I met them through swing dancing, never stayed in touch. If you're randomly listening, hi guys. Jeff <laughs> owes just... me 20 bucks. Hey, there you go. I want it. Pay it <laughs> and the interest. Um, I remember being so excited. And then the second that I heard the theme song, I was so disappointed. We all looked at each other with a face and I was like, what is this? What is this? This is horrible. But of course I've come to love the song, but that's only because oh, after really? a few adult beverages in Vegas, when we're at oh. karaoke, someone always sings okay. it and it becomes a whole thing. Right. Oh. Um, but I only watched season one. I never, I was not able to watch anymore. But then when I started going to STLV and I got to have like a few chats with Connor Trenier and Dominic Keating, who were super nice and really funny. And I kind of came to love them and seeing some of the other people that I was mm-hmm. like, I got to give the show another chance. And so I've tried a couple of times to get back into it, but I just can't get past season one. So this <laughs> is it. I have to do it now. I'm forced. That's why I forced myself to do this GD podcast is I'm going to watch it. Hey, ah. well, well, good for you. I mean, it, yeah, like you try. said, there are some, there's some great actors in this mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, I, I'm hoping that this series, I don't know, get gets a, a, a new lease on life. Mm-hmm. People look at it again. Different, mm-hmm. and, and hey, it may stand up 
on its own two feet quite well, or it just may stumble. This is the year for it to happen for them. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that I come out of this being like, all right, like I'm a fan. I found my episodes that I like throughout the four seasons. I'll watch these ones again. And, you know, maybe I have to get a pin or two. So we'll see. Or 10 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to find not? all the action figures in the stores. <laughs> oh, that would be sweet. Maybe it'll make me watch Quantum Leap. I don't know. I loved Quantum Leap. I loved Scott Bakula in that show. Yeah. And yeah, him in that show versus him in this show. Mm. Wow. Big so difference. different. Okay. So different. All right. I'll keep that in mind. There you go. I like well, it. Hey, you know um, what? I have a little surprise for you. What's that? Scott Bakula is here? <laughs> I've had him in my basement for the last seven years. Here he is. Bearded up. No. Um, I am going to do a little recap for you oh. of part one of, is it Broken Bow or Broken Bow? Broken Bow. Okay. I bow. asked Bill and he said Bow. bow. Okay. I believe he said As Bow. In, bow tie all right if yeah. well either way we're either right or wrong or like an but, arrow bow an arrow. Oh, there you go bow and arrow i like it so i'm gonna dr seuss you a little here all right ah oh, here we go Oof, you're setting up big pressure for when i have to do a synopsis <laughs> great i know <laughs> here we are on episode one our journey into space has really begun we have a crew they're all very new and later on, we find out their underwear is blue. We get Klingons and corn and the Sulaban too, a whole bunch of plot lines we gotta get through. Adventure awaits and off we fly. We meet future guy and wonder why, why, why? We're off on a trip with a dude named Tucker. So here we go, you awesome mother truckers. That's it. Ooh, that was great. <laughs> I like it. Pressure is on. I'm going to have to do a rhyming scheme now in the near future. It's, see, that was, it's very helpful having a two and a half year old granddaughter to be able to do Dr. Seuss. It's like, oh, oh. yeah, I know what can happen here. This will be a great way to force this child into liking the show. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that to her. Oh, somebody has to. That's what your okay. job is. All right. I'll oh, do I it. like it. Um, what do you, do you have some, do you want to talk right now about what we, thought of the episode like do you want to go over a couple of high level thoughts what do you want to do how do you want this to happen well i i was thinking maybe here we we could give our uh rankings for the episode and then dive into those thoughts sure okay what's your ranking system the ranking system that i thought we could do which would be pretty good would be slices of pie oh it can be pecan pie it can be Dutch apple pie. It can be, ooh, Marionberry pie. Whatever you want. But I think pie is very appropriate for the show. So uh, out of six slices of a pie, because that's the most amount of slices you could ever truly get out of a full-size pie. <laughs> it, hey, any more than that and you're just skimping. Um, I give part one of the pilot... Three, three out of six slices. It, you know, it was okay. Um, but boy, a lot of the characters are just angry all the time. Mm. Is there a backstory for the pie? Um, you'll, f- I'm purposely not saying something Ooh, here okay. 
for so, you so, so that it can come up and, and you find out for yourself. I can't wait for a pie fight with the Vulcans versus the humans. It's going to be great. Damn it. So that's, that's my it. expectation. That's going to happen. All right. <laughs> um, I gave it two slices of pie. I found everything flat. I was not pulled into the story. And when I tried to rewatch it this morning, I was just not, I was mad about it. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I wanted to come into this first episode with all these great, like, oh, I spotted this Easter egg and I spotted this. And I was like, no, I didn't, I couldn't, it didn't capture me. Not a single character captured me except for the, Dr. Flox's smile. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. You're as mad as the characters. In- <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was me. Just stern Vulcan face. Mm. Hola, mole, mole, mole. Yeah. All right. Well, hey. So neither of us totally dug it, um, which I find that's a bit foreboding for a pilot episode. Mm-hmm. First half. First half. That's true. First half of a pilot episode. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe the a la mode comes into Ooh. play on the second half a slice of, of the pilot cheese. episode. Ooh, sharp, extra sharp cheddar on Dutch apple pie. And what you do is you put it in under a broiler. Don't microwave it, but under a broiler. Mm -hmm. So it melts perfectly over and then you get a little, a little crisp Mm -hmm. skin on the top. Okay. Oh, too much food. I'm starving. I know. (laughs) Oh man. So then with your ranking there, what's your, what's your thoughts that you have so far the episode? Um, one of my early red flags was when Archer says to Paul, you have no idea how much I'm restraining myself from knocking you on your ass. I was like, what is this? Did he really say that to her? Like, I just thought that was like a bad start to an introduction to a character personally, especially when you're coming from a world of Janeway and Picard and, you know, Cisco. I don't think they would Mm -hmm. ever say that to another woman or person in such an early context, but that's just my opinion. No, I, I hear you on that. Cause it seems awfully odd that, um, you know, you would think you'd want your commanding officer to uh, have an even keel, yes. you know, a different mood. Mm-hmm. And this is what I, what I was talking with you earlier about. Everyone seems so angry. Yeah. And I get it as a plot device for, you know, Oh, this is how we're going to, you know, the captain's going to evolve and change and, and such. But I don't want to go anywhere where the leader just seems ticked off all the time, mm-hmm. distrustful. And like you said, that's a, that's a pretty rude, awful yeah. statement right off the... It's like when Archer just barges in to the medical area where they're mm-hmm. working on the Klingon. It's like, is this, is this not supposed to be like a clean, sterile room? I know. And he just goes in. It's like, dude, you just walked in. You could have had gum on your shoe or other stuff. You know, if it's Starfleet, San Francisco, there's seagulls. That's what it is. You could have anything. <laughs> and he just goes in there. And I look at that. I go, that's, this is, this guy is. Uh, Human. Yeah. And that's the and, problem. Ugh. And that's why I think I didn't like it is because I'm so used to Star Trek having people that are. Um, over that egotistical, misogynistic, all the flaws that we have as people now that they've they've evolved. And so this obviously the show is centered around the fact that sure, we've cleaned up some war and and famine and 
but there's that inner work that has to be done. So I think that they are trying to make a point. It's just off-putting yeah. because it's like, I could watch any drama on TV and see a bunch of people being jerks. <laughs> I don't need yeah, to see that, it there. But. I, that's where I, I found it really interesting with the, you know, this is a hundred years earlier type of a thing. They're kind of more of who we are right now as humans. But um, I mean, gosh, even that the scene <laughs> where they're, Trip and Paul and the captain are having dinner. Oh. And do you see the size of those slabs of beef? It's like <laughs> Brontosaurus Flintstones I know. steaks that come out. I looked at that and go, the plumbing system on that starship is going to be put to the test. And hey, you know what? Everybody's constipated. That's what it is, Sarah. Yeah. They're all constipated. That's why they're so angry because they eat 16 pounds of beef for dinner. <laughs> I know. I know it was so, yeah. So that's, that was my first high level thought was just the, I don't like this guy. I don't like Archer. And then I didn't like to Paul. I don't, I like, I I know some stuff happens in the second half. And so I'm trying to separate out the first, first half and the second half, but I didn't like the haircut. I mean, that's just a personal thing. Um, I just didn't like, is that a wig? It's, it's got to be a wig. It's because it's, it's awful, right? It's awful, and the outfit is like a. Is this seven of nine you're trying to do? Like, do we yes. have to put her in a bodysuit? She's a beautiful woman, and they just made her have stink face the whole time. And I get that Vulcans mm-hmm. are, um, you know, more serious. I get, th- I get that, but it. Uh, I just she irked me, and I, I, I hope I develop a love for her character at some point, or it. Mm-hmm. evolves i don't know that i mean that all makes sense even the the other two vulcans that they show they're angry too it's just it's like if if you've been working together for 100 years or so it was supposedly <laughs> why is everyone really it's just so angry with each other you didn't have to help us. You right. could have just said hi, first contact, and then go away. Leave, leave, go. <laughs> you don't you like guys, us. You guys are crow mags. You're not ready. Yeah. We'll come back in like 50 years. Yeah. And see where you are. So yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And the uh, CGI. This, oh, wolf. Oh I mean, God. this was around the era of, um, of, of Jar Jar Banks and stuff, right? This was the era for that kind I think of. so technology so sealing the the sulaban and and even just like the shots of like going to when they went to meet up with um hoshi and just like like just visually unappealing for me yeah it's i i rewatched the the very opening again where Mm. archer's you know cruising around with tucker and and looking at the ship and it's like oh okay that's that's early zeros cgi and there's a big difference, I think, like you said, visually between a six foot model and then a CGI thing. There's just something that the model is believable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you go, okay, we're just going to CGI the whole thing. It's like, well, at the time, I guess it was cutting edge, but woof, yeah. woof, <laughs> man. Well, I also feel like for a lot of actors, that was a very difficult time because if they've, if they've been a seasoned actor and they're used to working with visual cues like puppets or like models, and then suddenly they're thrust into a world where there's green screens and stuff, I could imagine that being very difficult, whereas opposed to something like Discovery, where they do, like a lot of these actors are young and maybe they've had more experience with these types of setups that, that 
the acting is just so strong nowadays in a lot of these films, like Marvel movies or whatever, where you know they're in a room and they're not on mm-hmm. this set. Um, I think that 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 that's one of the things about the year 2000s there is that it was a bit of a weird time for just that community of actors, I think, trying to evolve with it and change. And so sometimes things fall flat and sometimes they work and it's, um, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. It does, doesn't it? Thank you. It does. (laughs) I see you're the smart one. (sighs) But like, uh, I remember people talking about like the the Star Wars prequels Mm. and even with fantastic actors, with movie time, movie budget, that them working on almost exclusively green screen sets, mm-hmm. how brutal it was for them. And you, I mean, you're nailing it. And so now you're trying to do this on a television time frame and television budget. So it's like, you know, you might not be happy with the takes that you get, but you go, well, it's satisfactory. We got to move on. Yeah. We got we to gotta make the day. Um, yep. And there you go. And also the time, the timing of the world. I mean, they wrote and filmed all of this before 9-11 and then tragedy struck and then they start to air and everyone was in a different mood. It was a different time. It was trying to come out of such a horrible event and suddenly you're supposed to get into a new TV show or you're supposed to try and live a normal life. Like that doesn't help them either. I think a lot of things like that came up. That's that's quite true. And that's where I think part of maybe some TOS TNG optimism Mm. earlier might've helped this series Mm -hmm. a lot. I mean, you don't know the circumstances that you're going to get for whenever, but uh, yeah. Mood plays a lot. Yeah, it does. I mean, look at Picard. I mean, Patrick Stewart himself right. said, like, when I heard what kind of a of a mood and a tone, like, sign me up. This is a great story to tell in this time. Like, this is fitting, you know? He didn't want to go back and do, like, a fun, you know, mm-hmm. insurrection movie with some humor and Data's dancing around. Like, this is a completely different departure for the character. And it and he said it, like, it made sense with the situation yeah. of the world. And it worked, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And, that, I mean, that's what I would think that Drew Bakula into being the lead for this mm. of like, Hey, you're, you're the first captain. You yeah. can make certain things your own. Mm-hmm. And I can see the, uh, the appeal of that, you know, and then you, you, you sign in and um, you know, but then where, where is this guy's charm? Mm-hmm. Acula has a ton of charm where I get to go. I like that guy. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, let's, let's see some more of that. And, and hopefully that will come. In the future. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. We'll find out. Shall we talk about fan sets? I think so, because, oh my, my God. God. Take it away. All right. I So for everybody, literally, you can't see me. Sarah can see me. And I'm pointing over here. I've got two boxfuls <laughs> of fan sets pins that I have to figure out how I'm going to display all these. Oh, boy. It's nuts. And I just got yesterday the... Um, all good things, Delta pin. <laughs> it's effing gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. did a great job. But you know, everyone, as as we're talking about this, we're going to take a moment here to thank our friends over at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor on Discovering Trek. You know, they're always working to put out the best product available and to continue to surprise us with new designs and product releases. John, Lou, and the entire company even Joe, are (laughs) amazing people. So if you want Trek pins, Scooby-Doo pins, 
DC pins, Batman 66 pins, Ultraman pins, Xenoscope, Lost in Space, a ton of others. Go to fansets.com right now and treat yourself. Treat yourself. Uh, Yes. There are tons, tons of pins, accessories at fansets.com. Head over there. Drool over all the cool stuff they have. Put a bunch of sweet pins and accessories in your cart and then enter the special code word, Discovering Trek. In all caps, no spaces at checkout for an amazing 10% off your entire order. And don't forget, if you're in the U.S. and spend more than 30 buckaroos, you get free shipping. 30 buckaroos? Is that a new form of currency you have with the new administration or what's going on? Uh, Sure, why not? (laughs) What do I do with my American account? Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Also breaking news for Fansets. Right now, Fansets is giving listeners of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network the exclusive opportunity to help select the next pin in their Women of Trek collection. Folks who vote will also be entered in a random drawing to win a Women of Trek master set and a full set of the Series 2 pins. So go to trekgeeks.com slash vote and vote. Winner will be selected on April 1st. So I hear that you created a little subsection of this podcast called Chef's Special of the Day. And this could be like a rotating topic of stuff. Do you want, because we've been slamming Enterprise, to use this as a chance to say a couple of things that we liked about this episode? I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, if if I got three slices of pie, yeah. I'm, I'm going to enjoy those darn three slices. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was very glad that this whole franchise was continuing. I really thought after Voyager that it was just, it was going to be done for a while. Uh, certain things seemed played out. So I really liked that they had decided to not stay in the same time era, mm-hmm. go back, give it an opportunity so that we could see things with sets and designs that were retro for us, mm-hmm. but current for them. Um, so, you know, things where I, I love that, you know, you have to push a button for a door open. Mm-hmm. You have to do certain things. The This is kind of a love-hate, the, the communicator design. I okay. thought it could have been completely different because you've got so much time between now and TOS that it doesn't have to look like a direct predecessor. But I liked that they made, if you look at the communicator itself, it's really small. And then there's just extra portions on the outside for you to hold onto it. So it's not as clunky or as large looking as the TOS one. And I go, right. I mean, as, as things progress, stuff gets smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're not wearing wrist sandals on our wrists, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so things get smaller. I like that. I, I like the uniform choices there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get nice little aspects of NASA. We get things where, hey, they've got pockets. There's pouches. There's zippers. There's things that can hold stuff. We get our, you know, division colors mm-hmm. uh, on the on the shoulders. So I think there are little things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> that I really enjoyed. And um, say, saying, okay, they're, they're going to do Klingons you know, like from the motion picture on and, you know, don't explain it then and there, just, just how it is. So there's little things like that for me and that it was new. And here, here's a possibility. We're going to see how it goes from here. 
mm-hmm. whether this series lasts a long time or it doesn't, but it was here. You, you get the option. We're giving mm-hmm. you a possibility to go. How about you? What were, what were you, I guess, standout likes? Yeah, there was a couple of like scenes and stuff that I remember really liking. Um, uh, that scene where uh, T'Pol and Trip are at that planet and that kid is wheezing and mm. he has that jacked up instant reaction about it. And then she reminds him like, Hey, you know what? There's species that are different from us. And so I thought that was just a good way to kind of remind that humans are still very new to a lot of these different species that are out there and they need to kind of cool their jets and not be so judgmental because I mean, that's kind of a play out in humanity in general. So mm-hmm. I just, I remember that scene sticking out and being like, Oh, I like that. Like I've never seen anything really like that in a long time in Trek. I kind of liked too, that they touched on um, the different backgrounds of the characters, like especially how um, Mayweather, he was raised sort of in space and that was kind of a rare thing at the time. So that kind of makes a standout for his character, which I thought was kind of a cool thing to have. Yeah. Um, and then I really, I liked it because it horrified me in so many ways was what the job is that Hoshi has to do. I'm horrible with languages. I can barely speak English. And to be thinking like, pre um uh, translators and instant translators like somebody has to try and figure this out and so just to be able to watch that and kind of I guess have hopes to see this kind of evolve throughout the series and become maybe technology or you know just like it's that little nugget of what's that going to grow into um I thought it was a good choice for for a character to be on the ship so those were some of the things that kind of stood out in that early um meet the people here's what we have like it wasn't a it wasn't a disappointing um cast of characters in any way it was just something about um I don't know maybe I was hoping for a bit more humor or um something charismatic to capture me because that's Mm. maybe what I like about certain characters and certain tv shows is that Mm -hmm. there's something that pulls me in and I didn't have that with this but I'm hoping that as it progresses I'll start picking a bit more favorites and stuff um so yeah those were some of my likes what did what did you think about Archer's strong arming Hoshi into the job Mm. when she's got, you know, two weeks before finals for her students. And he just, he plays, he plays a lot of cards there. He has a way with women so far. Not sure how I feel about it. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, "Ah." yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I I think when this, if I recall correctly, because 2001 was a very long time ago, when I saw it was Scott Bakula, I was really excited. And I hadn't really that much, ex- I never watched Quantum Leap. I didn't have a lot of experience with who he was, but I knew who he was. Like I, I, I was aware of who he was and I was like, oh, he's going to be a great captain. Not in the first half of the first episode, in my opinion. So let's hope that that changes. I'd like to, I'd like to be sure. a pro, <laughs> pro archer. I love the dog. I'm I'm here oh, for Porthos. Give me right. can we oh. have that in the transporter accident where suddenly we have 40 Porthos running around? I'll take that any day. There's that an episode. Would, that would be great. Well, yep. maybe that comes up. I'm not gonna tell you. There's a short track. Mm. <laughs> Puppies everywhere. <laughs> oh my god, that would be fantastic. Yeah, versus triples. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Oh. Let's do it. <laughs> it would be a slaughtering. <laughs> that would be a slaughtering. Hey, you know what time it is? What time is it? I think it's time to enter the Enterprise Funhouse. We need oh to get my. a good sound bite for that. I know. I think do, do are there sound bites online of like kids in a, a bounce house that like just knock each other in the skulls accidentally? <laughs> 
was thinking more of like a boing, 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 or something. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Totally different wavelengths there. <laughs> Very different. We're going to have to talk about this off, off the record. All right. Off the... <laughs> oh. So, so what's it, what's in your fun house? Oh my gosh. Well, I thought this could be a place where we could do something different each time. That would just be, there's things that we spot that we thought were really funny, or I know Internet Movie Database always has good goofs um, that they caught that sometimes I don't catch, or we can do funny quizzes or just, I don't know, something light. So for this one, I found three good bloopers that were courtesy of Internet Movie Database. Are you ready for them? Oh, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. It. Number one, Captain Archer mentions that a seven-foot Klingon would be hard to miss on Rigel 10. In Star Trek, the metric system is used. Therefore, his height would be referenced in meters and not feet. Also, Clang was only six foot five. See, good Come catch. On. Just hey, you got that. Just like with Trek Four with the whales, mm. we weren't using metrics anymore. It's all hey, feet. It's like let's let's make a decision. Pick one. Yep. Pick one and and stick with it. Own it. Own it. In Own it. here, this this will early date me. But when I was in elementary school, and I think uh, maybe the forties Ford or. Yes, there, sweetheart. Back in the olden days. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, I don't know if it was Ford Carter administration, whatever, whoever it was, but we were supposed to, in the U.S., we're supposed to flip over to the metric system mm. within, I think it was within five years. And we started learning the metric system, and then that petered out within eight months. <laughs> it was just, it was literally just gone. Nope. And I was like, nope, not going to happen. See ya. So sidetracked you there. What's That's next? Right. <laughs> oh, number two, 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 two. In the opening shot of Kronos, the CG figure walking by the base of the bridge with a sword-like object in their hand can be seen to ascend one step before it actually reaches the area with the steps leading up to the bridge. Come on. <laughs> Maybe gravity is, you know, a little wishy-washy on yeah. Kronos. Someone was light on their feet that day. And lastly... About two-thirds of the way through, T'Pol can be seen staring into a blank display screen and reading off coordinates as if she saw them on the blank screen. <laughs> Someone had to check those camera angles a little bit better. Come on, guys. Wake up. It's the first episode. <laughs> Shake off the cobwebs. Let's go. <laughs> Man. Oh, I love that stuff. That, yeah, you thanks, know, it folks is. who participate in adding that to internet movie database maybe we'll one day find something that's not there and we can send it oh, in oh i think we should do that there's a goal uh, that'd be fantastic mm-hmm. i likes mm-hmm. oh well I does that do it for part one i think it pretty much does all right I mean, we can do we got stuff for for part two we sure do all and right and holy moly so that does it for part one of our coverage on episode one, Broken Bow. We will be back with our part two of Broken Bow, celebrating the 20th anniversary year of Enterprise. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. Wow, that was awesome. Right? If you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek, and boy, we sure hope you are doing it. <laughs> Otherwise, why are you here? And the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards, like our annual supporters pins from fan sets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, among other things. 
We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We're quite thankful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Terbuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and Jess Vashon. If you would like to become producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Until next time, two to beam out? Peace out. I think we have our first blooper. Did we tell people where they can reach us? Oh, I don't know. Discovering Trek on Twitter. Are we we giving, oh, just Twitter stuff, not home addresses? Okay, I think we could do that. (laughs) That'll be fine. Yeah, on the tweets, people. Bring us out. Come on out. Talk to us. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what stuff you find in episodes. You agree or disagree with us? Yeah. Discovering Trek on the Twitters. Funniest tweets will be mentioned. Oh, okay. Pressure's on. So yeah. no no boring tweets, please. I want a belly laugh. All right. I until wanna... next time, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Ciao. Bye. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.